0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
2: Actually, talking out loud with somebody about ideas, I think you can say something, and all of a sudden, they'll just say something you would never, you never would have thought of. Like, and it would, just keep the, it would just keep building and building and snowballing. And I find that process way more creative than just being trapped in your own mind.
0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Balancing Acts. In this conversation I talk to writer and director Jack Howard. Perfect. Hi, this is Steve Whiteley, comedian, actor, filmmaker and writer, all round ADHD creative. And welcome to my new podcast, Balancing Acts, where I talk to an array of creatives ranging from comedians, actors, directors, all sorts. And we talk about how they find a sense of balance or not between their creative lives and their everyday lives and how that has an impact on their mental health and beyond. Balancing Acts is now made in association with the Comedy Crowd, who are a website and community that support independent comedy creators such as myself. I have a Comedy Crowd Chort, which is a a two-minute video, one of my characters on their website. They showcase the best new videos on Comedy Crowd TV, which is comedycrowdtv.com and across media platforms, so do go and check them out. Jack has written both sketches and short films for his YouTube channels, which have amassed over 18 million views. He's created two series for BBC iPlayer, and he's written and directed a pilot for uh, what was formerly known as New Form, Ron Howard and Brian Grazer's company. He's also written, directed and starred in two seasons of a sitcom, Jack and Dean of All Trades, which are co-starred none other than Jessica Hines. As an actor, Jack has starred in Bulletproof for Sky and has also appeared in Drunk History on Comedy Central. In 2018, Jack was selected to be part of the Sundance New Voices Lab, and he's now a guest host on Mark Kermode's podcast, Kermode on Film. And all that, and Jack is still in his late 20s. This was a great conversation. I really enjoyed talking to Jack. We covered a whole load of ground. Jack described his his positive lockdown experience, which is nice to hear. He goes into detail talking about how he feels like he knows himself better since lockdown and describes it as being a case of firmly being above water and how the constraints of being in lockdown have really allowed him to be more creative and get back to basics in terms of making YouTube videos again. We discussed the idea of struggling with feeling guilty for switching off, which is something I know that I'm definitely uh, I definitely struggle with, and trying to balance that with relaxing, particularly during lockdown uh the challenges of getting motivated and just getting out of bed when you are feeling down or suffering from depression, particularly as a freelancer when you know there's you don't have a boss per se and you don't have to be in an office at a certain time. Jack describes how he's now found kind of routines that work for him. We talk about this idea of struggling with a with a lack of focus. And how lockdown has again has helped Jack hone in on his on his focus levels and productivity, and has helped sort of slowed everything down. And I guess that's probably the case for a lot of people listening. I know it is for me in terms of well, one, there's the absence of FOMO. You know, where there's there's only so many places we can be now because our, our options are are somewhat limited. So we discussed that and. Jack also talks about questioning how he's perceived in his career and how that's helped him inform make decisions, such as leaving his presenting role on BBC Radio 1 in order to pursue his goal as a director. We discussed the transition from writing and directing short form to longer form content and why creating online content is such a great training ground uh, if you are a writer and director we also talk about the idea of not waiting for permission to become a writer or a director and just go out make something and then essentially you are a writer and director or writer or director whatever you know you're you're pursuing we also talk about his relationship with his cinematographer, Kieran O'Brien, and his dynamic and working relationship with his comedy partner, Dean. They've got their obviously their YouTube channel, Jack and Dean, and he describes how they have different perspectives and ideas and points of view and how that really benefits their work and the projects that they, they collaborate on together. Jack dives in deep, breaking down what it was like Directing experienced actors such as Jessica Hines on uh, Jack and Dean of All Trades and how he dealt with questions over the script from Jess and what a great learning curve that was in terms of, I guess, sometimes actors are going to challenge your ideas or, or perhaps dialogue and, and hopefully that can help lift the script um, to an even better place. We talk about the conflict of wanting to relax and also, you know, the need to be proactive and Jack describes himself as a lazy person who forces himself to do stuff. Jack also describes the fear of of not progressing in his career and trying to come to terms with the snakes and ladders aspect of, of the entertainment industry. He explains the responsibility of having an online audience and how it's affected his mental health and how pivoting to make content that reflects Jack's passions, such as film and cinema, have had an impact on his views but have also ultimately made him more content as a creator. We talk about our shared love for solo cinema trips. Why being present with his thoughts, both positive and negative, has been a breakthrough for Jack. We talk about his love for ASMR and loads more. So I think you're going to really enjoy this one, particularly if you're in a sort of, if you're creating online content or if you're a writer, director, or you're aspiring and director, then this is a great conversation to listen to. And obviously, if you're a fan of Jack and Dean or Jack, then um, you're going to love this one. So, as as a side note, I should point out that the podcast is hosted on aCast, to a sort of a podcasting platform. Um, if you're if you're not sure who they are, and uh, they have now basically said that I'm eligible to uh, place adverts on the podcast. I think it's going to be the beginning at the end, maybe one or two in the middle. I'm not sure, but uh, this is something that I do need to do because. I do not make any money on the podcast. No, 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 no. In fact, I lose money uh, every every episode. Um, I have an editor that I, I work with. And yes, I. so if you do hear that, then then you know why that is there. It's, it's there in order to really, hopefully, get to a point where it's going to at least cover the costs of making the podcast. Uh, we shall see. And as always, if you enjoy the podcast, please do rate and review it on Apple. It really does help. I've added a link in the show notes, which is ratethispodcast.com forward slash balance, which should hopefully make it a lot easier to review it rather than having to search for the podcast on the Apple podcast platform. So enough about that. And over to Jack. Perfect. We've only briefly met once. I remember because um, I think well, we have got a mutual friend in Cayenne, and I think right. that's how that's how it came up in conversation. Because I was working, I was working on a project in that building, uh, that Color TV were working in. And, yeah, in the BNB uh, building. That's right. Yeah, the BNB building, and I was just sort of doing, a, sort of making a few, you know, comedy videos and that kind of thing. And I think um, mm. it just came up in conversation. Uh, Kai, we had a mutual friend in Cayenne. Who's uh, who was Kyan on a podcast is, actually yeah. a couple of months ago? He's back in Southampton now,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been there for every year. Kyan used to live around the corner from me, yeah, used to be uh, we used to play squash together, and that's right. yeah, you know, we've known each other for a long, long, long time. But we yes. you know in the last few years, we became a lot closer, literally, and also just like you know, as a friend as yeah. well. and then... uh, it seems to be a recurring thing with me and people I get close to is that they eventually, and I'm not going to turn this into a therapy thing, but they leave. (laughs) leave, Like my my best mate, Tim moved out to Los Angeles uh, five or six years ago now, five years ago, I think. And so that became much more of a, so this is how I communicate with him most of the time. Um, And then Kyan, after I sort of started to get to know him a lot more and become closer with him, he went back to Southampton and and yeah. all of a sudden I'd lost another person who was close to me. I was like, why does this keep happening? Yeah. <laughs> why do all the, the men in my life keep leaving?
0: <laughs> <laughs> With Kyan, I feel like, um, if I wasn't to pick up the phone to him, I'd never hear from him. He's, uh, um, sure. he's, he's not the most social of creatures.
2: Yeah. And I, I, I like that Kyan is, he's a very quiet and reserved person. Yeah. And I find that, um, whenever he speaks, he's got
0: something valuable to say rather than just speaking to speak. Totally, totally. Like I very much cherish our conversations. They're always, mm. it's, it's never it's never sort of superficial, like it's never superficial with client. You know, it's always like the deep and interesting conversations. Yep. And that's all due to him. Nothing, nothing to do with me whatsoever. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, yeah, always like to put in the connection, connect the dots. And obviously we share an agent. We share an agent. Yeah. How long have you been with Matthew? Not long, actually. I only signed with him, I think, in uh, November last year. You've been with him for mm-hmm. a while, haven't you? Yeah, since 2013. Yeah. Wow, a long time. Yeah. So he's my first and
2: only ever agent um, okay. So when he was independent. And it was because um, I just moved down to London and I'd made my first web series, which was called Project Library, which Kyan is in. Okay. Um, and I made it with my best friend Tim who I just mentioned what a coincidence okay. uh, and uh, for some reason God knows why Ricky Gervais follows me on Twitter and um, Matthew used to be Ricky's manager and right, yeah. I, when I, I DM'd Ricky and said do you want to be do you want to cameo in this in this show that I've made because I have you know I, I've, I've gotten a bit more reserved as I've gotten older but when I was younger I definitely had no problem being like I'll just ask What's yeah, the yeah. arm? And I, I just would do that. And so I just DM'd Gervais and asked him if he wanted to come here in this thing. I love it. And that. he was very polite and kind and um, just sent me Matthew's email. And I, I messaged Matthew. And Matthew very politely said, no fucking way. <laughs> He's really Gervais doing that. He ain't got time to do that. Um, but then I asked him for a meeting. And Matthew's motto is always take the meeting. And yeah, yeah we, we met and got along. And, and I've Rest been with history. him ever since.
0: Great. Yeah. I had, a, I had a similar story involve, involving um, Ricky Gervais, and, and oh, yeah. he eventually signed with Matthew. And that was actually due to my mum. <laughs> his office, okay. My mum had a ceramic shop, and his office, him Stephen Merchant's office, was opposite. And he used to walk through every day, but he would never buy anything. And my mum and he would sort of strike up conversation. One day, said, "Look, Ricky, you never buy anything, so I want you to do me a favour. My son is trying to make in comedy, and he's written this pilot. This was about five years ago. So, um, would you have a look at it?" And uh, Ricky said, uh, is your son funny? And my mum said, she paused and she said, he's funny when he doesn't try to be funny. And then he like did his sort of cackle and goes, just for that, I feel sorry for him. Uh, look, I don't look at this stuff, but here's my agent's email. And it was Matthew. And uh, this was actually six years ago. Yeah, about six years ago. And I sent it to him. And within a week, he emailed me like loads of feedback. And uh, I, I you know, I wasn't expecting it. But uh, that is my, yeah, that's my Ricky yeah. as well.
2: <laughs> oh, look at that. We've got more in common than we think. Yeah, and really also is. we're just... Two white guys sat in white t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got not why. Why and we we're basically got the same opinions. Us. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> So yeah, how's how's your? Um, I know it, it sounds like such a cliche now, but how's how, your lockdown? How has your lockdown <laughs> been for you, Jack? Um,
2: I think ultimately, uh, it's been quite positive. Okay. And I'm very aware how privileged of a thing that is to say. I haven't been directly touched by coronavirus or racism. Uh, so I'm, I'm doing all right. And I actually think, I, so I had my first therapy session for a few months yesterday. I've been doing therapy for a little over two years. Okay. And at the start of lockdown, we did a session over webcam and I wasn't into it. And it felt very weird to be like, oh, you're. This is just my room. Welcome to this now, rather than going to the space to 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 do it. It's less personal, um, isn't it? Feels less personal. It's less personal, and it was also like because I'm so used to taking whatever I wanted to speak about somewhere else and then leaving it there like leaving afterwards there was like a process to it like there's an actual physical process to going in that room talking about whatever you're talking about and then you leave afterwards whereas when you do it on your webcam you're just in your house in your space and then what do you do afterwards you just still sat at your desk it's just i don't know it just felt different yeah and you're right like the imperceptibility of it was was not my favorite either um so i did my first session yesterday for like two months or so and it was actually a really refreshing thing to be able to look back and go look at all the progress I've made in two months that I wasn't aware of even. And I think that the best way of putting it is I think I know myself a little bit better than I did at the start of lockdown. And I'm feeling much more like, I I describe my sort of depression and all the rest of it as like being underwater. And that I've noticed in the last few months that my head has been quite firmly above, I'm not coming up for, for air and then going back under. I'm actually firmly above the water. And being under these constraints as well has allowed me to be creative to sort of in the restrictions to, to think what can I achieve in this time uh, rather than, which is I've been feeling a lot of pressure for the last year or two, maybe even a bit more to try and like join that rat race and, and to progress quickly and to, mm. to try and achieve the thing that I want, which is ultimately to be a director mm-hmm. and to sort of meet the right people and, and find the right projects and to do the right thing. And, lockdown has made that impossible. So mm. I've gone, okay, back to, back to basics. So I'll start making YouTube stuff again. And it's been really, really fun. And actually that's, that sort of coincided with my mental health is that I don't think I was making YouTube stuff when I was feeling really bad. Cause I didn't want to, I didn't think I'm, my voice was worthwhile and all the rest of it. And actually it's sort of been this weird sort of synchronization of my mental health, getting better and also feeling more creative again.
0: That's fantastic. So that sounds like a really, yeah, you've had a really positive experience. And uh, I can really relate to that. You know, when you are going through periods of, um, yeah, where you're struggling with mental health, it's really, it can be really challenging where you're then trying to be productive and be creative. And it can always be like a vicious circle sometimes because, you know, that has a knock-on effect on your productivity. And then you can sort of give yourself a guilt trip and a hard time for not being as productive as you should be. Combined with I know anything. a lot of people
2: have been doing that,
0: yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, particularly during this time, it's it, it can be, um, it's difficult to know, and it? it's difficult to navigate through, particularly because, um, well, we haven't gone through it before anything like this, obviously. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's sort of, I guess, it's been a, an interesting, experience.
2: I think, that's the thing as well. I don't, I don't want my sum, summary of that to be like, oh, he's been doing fine, like, you know, it, 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 I think, I, I ultimately think it's been positive, but there have been days where I've been like, no, I'm, I'm not doing anything. I'm and <clears throat> struggling as well to go. All I want to do is go and watch a movie, but I can't, I shouldn't. Cause it's 1 PM. I shouldn't, I should do some stuff yes. first and then I should reward myself when actually everything's topsy turvy. Mm. So it's just about finding this new way of working and allowing yourself. Like I, I recently was doing some editing for somebody and the the day felt mental. So I was like, no, I'm going to go and switch off. And then I just worked in the evening and there was no, what was, I mean, what's the problem with that? But actually at first I was like, no, it's the day I should be working when everyone's you know telling you, you should. But I think it's just been about finding a rhythm and it's taken a while and it's still not perfect. Obviously like yesterday I was overwhelmed and just closed the laptop and went and read for a bit and just let myself just sort of feel all the things I was feeling about what was going on in the world. Um, and sometimes depression lurks out of its cave and takes over for a day and is like, all right i'm gonna to need to just exist here for a bit yeah um but yeah how, how have how have you been handling it
0: very similar very similarly to to what you've just uh said actually and i think one of the big i think one of the big learning curves for me is being allowing myself to be okay with not being okay and mm-hmm. and again just sort of submitting to you know if i'm not feeling productive what i usually do is i just push through i'll just sort of in front of my laptop and you just try and push through and in, it doesn't and I, you know i'm coming to the realization it doesn't work particularly if you're doing creative particularly comedy um it should be an enjoyable experience and so yeah. if it becomes sort of this thing of gritted teeth i don't think i don't know how healthy that is and i, and I don't know if you're going to do your best work yeah. either so i've also, I also think that, that we've been
2: told over and over again to we've been told like that writing is is a job. You get up and you, you you push through and you do what you can. You allocate time to it. I think mm. we've been told that many, many times. And also because creativity is so abstract that we're all looking for a routine of how to make it work for ourselves. And we look to people that we admire and we try and emulate their processes. And actually it doesn't matter. Like the process is, is, is however you feel most comfortable creating and there is an external and internal pressure to show up and to do it Hmm. even if you feel like you yeah you say gritted teeth and pushing through it and i become like tunnel visioned to like no you need to achieve this before you can do anything else and yeah i don't think it works either
0: no it's like a fine balance isn't it because there's that saying where you know the pros show up and they do it every day and you can't just sit there and wait for inspiration to hit there's there is part of that, so I guess it's finding like a middle ground, you know, a balance between the two, is, uh, and yeah, fi- figuring out a way to navigate through it that works for you. We did you have a very? Um, did you have a sort of a specific schedule or structure to your day prior to Corona and um, lockdown? No, not at all. Oh, like,
2: really? I, I've not at all. Yeah, I, I've. I actually think that the limitations and the slowing down of life since lockdown, yeah. has actually been really good for me because I think the 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 widespread canvas of you can do whatever you want with your day, you can go here, you can go to have a meeting over there, you can then dash over here, and you can be dashing all over London to try and get some. And it makes you feel like you're being productive because mm-hmm. you're constantly moving, when actually I don't think I was getting any more done, really. I think I was moving more. Um, And... But I don't think I meant I was more productive than I have been in this time. I actually think that the reason why this has felt more positive to me is because I've actually been able to sort of take it step by step and be able to go, what can I achieve rather than what do I think I should achieve? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, before this, I was I was starting to feel a little bit better in terms of. I was exercising multiple times a week and trying to find like balance in terms of that but i was also like in a quite a bad place pre lockdown so like just getting out of bed was becoming a little bit of a struggle like just like the idea of i was having to sort of pep, pep talk myself to sort of now you get out of bed get out of bed get out of bed so i was having to do that type of stuff and because i'm a freelance person um there was no external pressures there was nobody waiting for me to turn up to work there was there was nothing like that it was just all on my own shoulders and that was quite hard to find a routine especially when you don't in those moments feel too worthwhile you don't feel like well it's not what's worth it's not worth showing up because who cares um and so sometimes i'd crave external um pressures to sort of force me into a routine but actually um i found that because of the lockdown situation i've been able to find personal routines that i even if it is just eating and then washing up afterwards and just taking a little break away from stuff because you can't order in food anymore. Like I can't, I can't carry on and power through and then order a, you know, a pizza or something and then just carry on. I have to pause, move away and go and do something. Just even that has become a routine that I have started to appreciate a lot because it gives me just a moment to, just sort of come out of it a little bit and, and take some, to take some time away. Um,
0: but yeah, I've never been a routine person. Have you? i've i've talked about this on the podcast before it's something that i've become uh more accustomed to as of late i read a book and uh sort of i always sort of like oh god roll my eyes back in my head when i know that i'm repeating myself because i said this before but i wrote this i wrote this book at the beginning of the year called the 5am club and the whole ethos was get up early and start early and uh Time to have sort of pockets of the day, so you. Do Did you work. say you wrote this book or you read this book? Oh, no, 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 no! I'm no really talent enough to write a book. It's uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a book that I read. I was recommended it to it by uh, somebody else, and um, yeah, it's the idea that first ninety minutes of your day should be you should be working on your most creative projects. So ideally, you're at your desk by around eight. I'm by the way, I have not stuck to this over the last month or sure. so. Completely fallen off the wagon. And then you have ten minute breaks hour ten minute breaks, and what i would you what i used to do in i still you know i'm guilty of sometimes jumping from project to project, and so I might be working on something and then suddenly I'm answering an email and so there's yeah. a real lack of focus there, and I don't think it's i don't think it's good for your mental health well it wasn't good for mine because i'm just it's almost like it sounds addicted. very familiar to me right yes it's it's almost like being addicted to adrenaline that's what i'm That's what. Anyway, that was what my therapist said. (laughs) Literally, just Mm -hmm. regarding saying what she said, and so I find this is more more of a calmer approach now. And um, it's still, I think, you know, what I I think one of the things that I've really realised during this time of lockdown is how much our our habits are ingrained in us, and you know how strong those habits are, and trying to break them is a real challenge. And this for me has been one of those yeah, one area that I'm trying to, to to come at from a different approach. And I can see the positive results, but regardless of that, there's still an element of self-sabotage within me.
2: Oh, totally. Yeah, self-sabotage is a huge thing. Um, and I, I, and the, what you were saying about um, jumping from project to project, I think that's what I've been guilty of too, to the point where actually, again, the lockdown, the sort of boxed in, nature of of this of what can you achieve in this time i'm somebody who since i was a kid has whenever i've had a creative idea i've made it and then it's been released on the internet for people to see and only a few times have i had projects where it takes a while for it to you know be seen by somebody and that i've always found that very frustrating um but something i've definitely gotten used to but actually to go back to that sense of this is the thing I'm focusing on. I'm going to get that done. And then I'm going to focus on the next thing, one thing at a time. I've just completely reminded myself how much better of a process that is, but also um, just how much it it helps me focus. It's obvious, really, but it it helps me focus specifically on that thing. And so I'm not spinning plates. And I think that I find that, just even things like making lists and things like that, I'm I'm just finding myself taking stuff out of my head more so i don't have to like it doesn't feel like it's buzzing around and i'm actually able to take one thing at a time and and it, again it makes me think about the lockdown situation and it, i do feel a little bit like i'm repeating myself by saying it's slowed everything down it's yeah. really slowed life down and so i am i I'm actually able it feels like the conveyor belt has slowed down and i'm actually able to just take things off have a look at it and then put it back or, or put it elsewhere. I don't know, I've lost the metaphor, (laughs) but you know what I mean? It's just everything just feels a little bit more manageable.
0: Yeah, I I get that. Do you think it's also part of the challenge is being, uh, I guess, um, again, I've used this phrase before, but being a multi-hyphenate, you know, you're an actor, writer and director. So you're you're, you're spinning lots of plates, not just Mm -hmm. um, in terms of different projects that you're working on, but within those projects, you also are, you're wearing lots of hats, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Which, in itself yeah. can be quite um yeah that's, it's a challenge, isn't it
2: it is and and it's also I know that I want to focus mainly like I know that my ultimate goal is to be like if I was to knock down those hyphens, mm. I want to ultimately be director.
0: Has but that always been the goal from the off?
2: I think it has, yeah, um, I think about my mom uh my mom told me a story once about her she was like an asda or something and yeah. i was finishing school and somebody said like so what's jack gonna do when he's when he's finished school and she was like, oh he wants to be a film director and they were like okay but what does he really want to do and she was like he wants to be a film director mm. and she she'd always had that confidence that i would do it and she was i think she even said like someone's gotta do it so why not why not him if he wants to do it um so i think it always has been it always has been the the ultimate goal. And to get there, I've always been quite um, specific about what I do and, and how I'm seen. And that's something I've been really like, I've struggled with for, for a few years is like, if I do this thing, are people going struggle, to struggle to see me as a, as a film director yeah. if I'm a presenter for Radio One? Right. You know what I mean, so like I used to do that and I left because I didn't think it was going to lead me down the right path. But ultimately now I'm like, should I have done that? Should I have like cast aside that opportunity because it wasn't giving me what I wanted immediately. But it's, it's one of those things where I, I think about the people I admire and what they do and how they get to where they want to go. And I don't see them as radio presenters because they didn't do that. You know what yeah, I mean? Whereas actually yeah. nowadays, there's someone like Donald Glover, and I know he's an anomaly. Like not everybody can be like him. Mm. But he is a, a comedian, a writer, an actor, a director, cool. a musician, you know what I mean? Like a stand-up comedian. He's done everything. And I actually think that it's more modern these days for people to express themselves through the medium of which it makes the most sense. And, you know, Charlie Brooker went from being a journalist to being a director, mm. you know? And it's 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 like what a transition that was. No one saw that coming. But um yeah, I think that it's it's to me everything I do is if I'm interested in it, I'll definitely take a stab at it. And I ultimately try and approach everything as, well, I'm going to do that in order to get to that thing. So if I have to write my own scripts right now, because nobody's going to come to me and go, we want Jack Howard to direct this because that's not going to happen, but I'll absolutely like keep coming up with my own ideas and collaborating with other people to write stuff so that hopefully one day somebody will come to me and go, I think you'd be good to direct this. That's, that's ultimately the goal
0: yeah yeah and have you found sort of the transition from having historically gone from making short from short form content which obviously you still do as well but now moving yep. into more of a longer form uh, medium ha- has that come has that sort of uh, had its own challenges along the way to transition into that sort of mode of being in terms of okay so let's say traditionally as a director the thing is that i as you were saying, we're in modern times, there isn't necessarily a, tradi- a traditional route, but let's say for filmmaking, it might be you make X amount of short films, you submit to short film festivals, and that is how you might um, earn your stock as a, as a film director, whereas you have gone mm-hmm. from the YouTube world. Have you found that a challenge in terms of establishing yourself now? It's like, look, I'm a, I'm a writer-director, and I, I want to start directing. I want to be directing more long-form projects
2: totally yeah like there's a there's a there's multiple reasons why it's challenging um one of which is because of how I how i i'm transitioning from from one thing to another and yeah. and the other is how people view me um yeah which it, i can't help but um so writing longer form stuff um has definitely presented its own challenges and all the rest of it uh because telling stories through short form, I'm pretty good at it now. And I know how to establish character and narrative and get it uh, and to explore it in five minutes and and to do it well and to leave it on a punch, whether that be the funniest thing or whether it be leave it on a poignant moment or or whatever. I know, I know how to do that. And it's quite not easy for me, but it's certainly like a muscle I can flex quite easily. And, um, going from that, Type of storytelling to writing uh half hour comedies or even feature films like it's just a different set of like rules uh, so you're just playing in a different in a different sandbox so learning about that has been exciting and challenging um and it takes time the way that anything does but also i've had a couple of um opportunities to go into uh meetings to to potentially direct for Upcoming shows for quite well-known broadcasters, and there's always a thing that comes up of Do you think you'll be able? Do you think you'll be like ready? Do you think you'll be able to handle it? And I'm like, yes. Like, like actually, being on set and directing for what I've done is no different to, to it just happened to have ended up online, whereas what you're talking about is ending up on telly. But because I haven't got a television credit. You know, in, in in the traditional sense, mm. you think the job is different, but actually, it's all the same stuff. And actually, being on your set where there's more people involved, and I don't have to hyphenate my job as much, I actually probably will find it easier.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's a luxury, isn't it? That, that you know, I think the great thing about creating content on YouTube and other online platforms is it's such a great training ground, and you do wear so many hats because there mm. are budget restrictions, and so then you have to think on your feet and you how you how you can approach um decisions and in a creative way so taking on all those skills when you then you're on this set and suddenly you're like oh i've got my own first ad and what a second AD? yeah i've got a third ad you know then <laughs> it's kind of like, oh i can literally just focus on directing
2: yeah yeah and 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 being able to sort of concentrate on the the minutiae which i think is actually where the directing shines yeah. rather than like getting everything that you need just because time's, you know, against you. You actually are able to focus on story and character and motivation and, and all those little moments that are going to bring out truth in something. And I, you know, we're two people that make comedy and I think that we will agree that the best thing about comedy sometimes is the unexpected little looks or moments or just little bits of improvisation that you might be able to get out of playing with the, the moment rather than just getting it as it's written. And moving on, I think the, the most exciting bits are when you're able to be comfortable in a moment and, and you're not able to do that if you're wearing loads of different hats. And actually, I've had moments on set when I was making our series a couple of years ago, which was called Jack and Dean of All Trades, when this I was directing that. Thank really you, man. Thank really you. enjoyed it. Kyan's in it. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I noticed uh, that.
2: Um, thank you very much. Um, you know, There's so much I would change about it now. And as a director and stuff, I certainly feel a little bit more experienced in terms of what i feel like i know and all the rest of it i'm certainly super proud that we made that in our early 20s and we got that amazing you know made the way we did and it looks more expensive than it was and there's lots of things that i think are positive about it but when i was making that i remember being on set and my eyes were just constantly moving around like Mm. i was never able to join the actors when they were just having fun in between takes but i was also never really able to just join the crew like I, i sort of sat in between everybody um and i was constantly thinking about what was coming next what we would just done what i needed to get because i was also going to be in the edit and i was thinking about like the time pressures and my character and how i was going to be in a scene and what the yeah, all of it at once whereas if i was able to just knock a few like hyphens off of that role sure. it would have made me been a it may have, it, may, it would have been a different show, um, but you know, I, I, it's 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 something that I would like to do in future projects is take on less stuff. But right now, it's just sort of easier to to do. You know, it's, I watched um, Do the Right Thing last night for the first time. Spike Lee's film. Brilliant. And he doesn't want he doesn't want to be an actor, but he's really good in it. But he had to be in it because he was like, I, I I can't afford it or whatever it yeah. is. And, you know, I need to get this made, so I'm going to do all these things in order to do it. Steven Soderbergh, oh no, there it is. Steven Soderbergh um, is one of my favorite directors, yeah. maybe my favorite director. And that film, that poster that I have in the background is for Sex Lies and Videotape. And he recently did an interview where he taught, said, I mean, that was his first film he made when he was 26. And the reason why, uh, and it won at the Cannes Film Festival and all the rest of it. And I don't know how you do that at the age of 26. That's insane to me. Crazy. But, um, yeah. He, he did an interview recently where he talked about how he's written a sequel to it and I'm very excited about that. But he also said in that something that really struck a chord with me and I think will probably with you maybe uh, is when he said I never consider myself a writer but no one can stop you from sitting at a keyboard and typing things. So I just wrote things and then wanted to be able to get to the point where I wanted to make a movie um, rather than considering myself like a, a, a writer or a script writer or anything like that. He just did it so he could do, make something.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a really important point, not to wait for people's permission to do something. Mm-hmm. If you go out and you do something and you direct a short film, you're a director. You know, you've yep. gone out there and you've directed something and especially
2: it's, it's- now. Which is why it frustrates me when people do have a stigma about where the stuff that you make gets put. Yeah. Because it shouldn't matter really. Like it's it's all it's all just we're just creating stuff, we're just making stuff.
0: Yeah, totally. And, uh, I mean, what really strikes me about, you know, the content that you guys make, the videos you make is that it's, it's really high production value and I'm sure you're working with budget restraints as well. I mean, I love some of the, I love it's some of the moments where you've just got these, chore- you know, the choreographies, do you have a choreographer on those videos? Or do you just come up with those with that all yourself?
2: For, 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 for what, sorry, so, for like, so, uh,
0: yeah, um, um, yeah, in the first episode of um, of uh, Jack and Dean of All Trades, when yeah. you uh, <laughs> when you've got the baguette fight, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. So we we had a fight choreographer for that. Yeah, you had a fight. Oh, did um, you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. So we we have they just come up with this. <laughs> so we. Um, <laughs> so I need to really up my game. If so, <laughs> <laughs> we um, for that episode, like so that was based
2: on again. Kyan keeps coming up, man. Kyan and I. A few years ago, I say a few years ago, actually it was probably 2011 when we filmed it and it probably came out in 2012. We made a great sketch called Violence Begets Violence, okay. which I, I think he credits his dad with the amazing title, but it essentially is us coming back from the shops and then it turns into a samurai sword fight, but with begets. Uh, and it was the first time me and Kyan had properly worked together and our DOP, Kieran O'Brien, um, who used to shoot for Kyan all the time and then became the YouTuber uh, DOP who is brilliant and has really, really raised the game on not only my work, but so many other people's work in terms of facilitating a vision, like the idea of, I want this to do this. He is able to sort of see what I want and actually translate it Mm. into practical terms of cinematography and lighting rather than being an amateur. He's a true pro and a genius and completely, uh, underappreciated, uh, for, for what he does and what he has done for short films and stuff on YouTube.
0: Do you collaborate um, with him on all your projects?
2: Pretty much everything. There's only right. been a couple of things where I haven't, where I'm okay. very pleased with the cinematography and those things as well, because there are other cinematographers that are, are good, but there's something about the relationship I have with Kieran and what he's able to do that I think he's just, I think he's just outstanding. Um, yeah, but for, for that fight specifically, like, there's, a, there's a, a choreographer called Joel Golby, uh Joe Golby, who had worked with us on there's a YouTuber called Tom Scar who done like some action videos back in the day. Um and I directed I edited quite a lot of them, but I directed one called Sniper Pug, (laughs) which was uh really fun to make. Yeah and uh Joe had worked on that with the stunt people and all the rest of it. And because we were doing this thing, I wanted to bring in a bunch of people who had been Withers along the way, who maybe hadn't been paid as much as they were worth, and been like, okay, we're doing a proper thing this time, and right. I want to do it properly. Yeah. And so, yeah, he helped to sort of come up with the choreography, for the, the choreography for that fight, um and then to translate it to the space itself was very, very fun. And there's some stuff that was cut out as well. Like there was supposed to be something where Dean went across a table and all the rest of it, but it was all about time and all the rest of it. But yeah, it was a really fun one to do, um, and you know just fun to just go like all right we're just playing with star wars tropes but it's baguettes (laughs) let's let's just have a let's have a laugh um yeah yeah i'm really really proud of that stuff in a really silly way
0: it's great it's really great and obviously i mean that's how you you started off in a sort of i guess a double act with dean and Mm. um and i know you still work together now but obviously you're doing a lot of your own projects do you have a do you have a preference Do do you prefer working or collaborating with with dean or with other people or um do you enjoy sort of the the freedom of working your own projects
2: i enjoy being able to go back to the jack and dean thing whenever we have something that we think is good Mm -hmm. um it's always been some it's, it's always been a way i would describe myself i'm definitely part of jack and dean and that is something i'm very proud of and I think it's a dynamic that works. It's like a classic straight man, funny man thing. I think yeah. Nadine's way of thinking is so outside the box. I think the reason why we work as well is we both think the other one is funny. Mm-hmm. Like and and actually we both think the other one is funnier than ourselves. So we'll end up complimenting each other quite a lot for something we think the other one has added that made it better. And it's always different stuff. Um and it's it's a it's a good working relationship. It can be frustrating at times, like any other one. Like sometimes I feel like I need to sort of like slap him into shape to be like, come on, like let's do something. Um, but I also love being able to go and do my own thing. And he goes and does his own thing as well. And we always end up sort of coming back to each other when we have something that we want to make, uh, be that short form or long form. Like our sensibilities seem to, to marry up. But also we have quite different ways of working and different tastes in things. Like Dean is has become way more uh, interested in gaming and all that sort of stuff. And he's in in, in terms of movies and stuff, he's way more interested in fantasy and horror. And I'm way more interested in something that's grounded. And uh, I'm way more interested in action than he is. And so so actually, we're both bringing different perspectives of, of what we want to create to our own work. And we won't let something go over the finish line until we're both very happy with with how something has been with how we've collaborated on an idea but I also just in terms of the way I like to work I much prefer working with other people I find writing alone incredibly lonely and it can trigger like depression and stuff in me and frustration and i can i get in my own head and it gets quite cerebral and i don't like that space and it can make me quite tense and actually talking out loud with somebody about ideas i think you can say something and all of a sudden they'll just say something you would never you never would have thought of like and it would just keep the it would just keep building and building and snowballing and i find that process way more creative than just being trapped in your own mind Perfect. I do prefer sitting alone and typing where no one can watch based on all the stuff we've said but then after that I want to go let's have another conversation so I can go back to the typing again um but that's not the luxury you have all the time because you you can't always you know th- th- I expect people to come and work on your ideas especially for free and all the rest of it but I certainly prefer collaboration and it's why I prefer directing to writing because you're on set with people and it's like a family dynamic and you're all funneling towards the same singular idea Mm. and i love the the process of like different um people throwing in different ideas and you get to be as a director the funnel that allows or the sieve or whatever the correct metaphor would be to let the right ideas into whatever you're making and and catch all the ones that you don't think work um whereas when you're alone and you're writing i don't know i find that just I just get too in my own head about stuff um but how what about you how do you like to work about that
0: I mean, on that sort of stuff i'm pretty much bang on that um i find you know writing on my own yeah as you said it's very solitary sometimes you know i'll just i'll push you know i guess i just push stuff out whatever's in my brain i'll push it out but I, it's it's just more enjoyable isn't it when you're collaborating with someone else and like you said you, you have different styles and you have different perspectives and point of views. And so that's only going to strengthen a script because, you know, mm. you're going to, hopefully it's going to complement each other and, and you're coming at it from different directions. And so it will ideally make the characters and the dialogue and the whole story more interesting than if it's just coming from a singular perspective. I have, I've, you know, I have written stuff for my own, but in terms of the enjoyable, and 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 that's something I'm really thinking about at the moment. So uh, why am I doing these things? You know, similar to you, you know, I had a, there there's a drive there. I wanted to reach a certain point. There's certain things I want to do in my career, but at the moment, I there is, I am questioning. Well, what do I want to do? I want. I want this to be enjoyable. This has to. This, this needs to be an enjoyable experience. And I do crave for that sense of community as well and and connection, which you get on on a film set, which you know I just absolutely love. And um, I was just was just thinking as as you were saying that it's it's I find. Once you've once you've wrapped, or even once you've finished a day's shoot, it's very similar to having done a stand-up set. It's sort of you have all this adrenaline, and then you come home, and you're just sort of left with this. It's like a bit of a come down almost. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I, I can very much re- relate to that. And how have you found experiences like, for instance, on um, you know, on all of all trades, Jack and Dean of all trades, mm-hmm. directing someone like Jessica Hines, you know, someone yeah. that ilk. <laughs> And you know yep. you're a young guy who, like you <clears throat> you haven't directed TV at that point. W- was that a challenge? Were were you nervous, or h- how did you how did you deal with that? I,
2: I she was the person I was most nervous about working with because we had okay, some good people on that show, like Alex uh, Lowe and and Emily Joyce and uh, Jacob Anderson, but that was into the second series with Jacob and we'd become mates. And so we had like a rapport and all the rest of it, but yeah, working with Jess, I didn't know she was going to show up on the first day. And I, I was like, really? honestly, I was still like, I hadn't spoken to her, which was not ideal. I, I was hoping to have met her or to at least have exchanged, you know, just, you know, have a phone call or something, but we hadn't had a conversation. Wow. So I hadn't spoken to her about this, this character that we created that felt very, personal to us. Like we had, we, you know, we'd read the scripts out loud and we had a voice in our heads and a rhythm of how she spoke. Like I, I imagined she plays a character called Marv and I expected Marv to be Northern, like Manchester and never expressed that to Jess. And she played it completely differently and better, like, and better than it was in my head. But what I liked about the process of it, the way it turned out is that we shot her scenes, which are mostly in the office. I think in the first in the first series, almost entirely in the office, chronologically. So in the scenes themselves, you're seeing us, Jack and Dean, the real people, and Jack and Dean the characters get to know this woman they don't know. And I think you right. start to see, and yeah. so like almost like looking back at it, like as a director and going, actually that works. You get to see yeah. that at the beginning there is an awkwardness and like they don't quite work with each other yet there's not like a a dynamic and a rhythm they don't fit well together yet and as they get to know each other more there becomes more of a dynamic between uh, jess and dean like they're quite like very very similar in terms of their personality types they're they're both quite silly and quite um clownish uh and then me being the director who wants to get things done and also the character who's a bit more stern and and serious like that all played into the dynamic. Yeah. Something that really comes to mind was the first, we, we shot uh, in the first series There's an episode where Dean fakes his own death to get out of a job. <laughs> and Marv comes into the morgue to identify Dean's body. And there was a, there's a shot <laughs> It's such a good joke. It's, it's a shot where she, she lifts up a, a sheet and she goes, no, it's it's not him. And then the other guy goes, no, 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 miss, it's this way. You don't have to identify all the dead bodies. And she goes, oh, good, because I don't know any of these. And then follows him, which I still love how she did it. And she just tried it several different ways. And I'm, I just remember her, because I'm not in this scene, which was nice, so I was able to just direct. Mm. And I remember her, after a take was finished, she went, Jack, was that funny? And I was like, oh, she's asking me. Like, <laughs> she's... She's reaching. She, I was like, "You're Jessica Hines. You know what's yeah, funny." But she yeah. was like making sure that it fit within what my vision for it was. So it was a challenge, and she's definitely a unique person to work with. She's she, she also challenged us. There's a scene, um, there's an episode where we are babysitters, and one of the jokes is that all babies look the same, and every time we say that, Dean says racist, and. There was a a bit of dialogue between me, Jess, and Dean, where the language wasn't specific enough. What the joke was, and she made it. She like stopped the 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 shoot to Mm -hmm. for us to have a conversation about specifically what is the joke, Mm -hmm. what are we saying, and we need to make sure that we're taking the piss out of the right thing and that the focus is on the right thing, so that we're not actually making an an accidental racist joke. Um, And I really found that. At the time, quite frustrating because I knew where my I knew what my intentions were. I knew I wasn't actually trying to make anything. I was just trying to make a silly joke. But actually, really appreciated that conversation because it made me really think about what I was doing and what we'd written. It yeah, it just helped. And she was a great teacher at at that and at improvisation as well. And it being a young director coming in and being like, this is what I want. I need to get this thing for the edit. And then I know what the scene is, Mm -hmm. but actually letting her just go. And she loves to go like letting her just play with it. But then at times figuring out how to work with her to sort of bring her back. Cause sometimes the scene wasn't about the big funny thing that she had to do. There's a scene in the second series where the, the whole point is that she's distracting a guard while we're going in to steal some, Uh, guard uniforms in a prison episode and she kept making the scene go further and further and further and she was doing funny stuff and it would have been easy to just let her go and be like haha this is funny on the day but actually i knew that when i got to the edit i was gonna like this is not going to do what we needed to do the scene is about the tension of distract it's the old fashioned thing of like there's something happening behind somebody slapstick is happening while somebody's not looking and Mm -hmm. they're trying to not you know be seen so i had to like let her go And then slowly reel her back in. And it was just about working with her and understanding the way that she likes to play with character and dialogue and stuff in order to get to that place. But uh, yeah, it was a pleasure and I would love to do more with her. And yeah, it was definitely good training to to sort of work with somebody of that, someone who's that established and also that um, confident with what they're, what they're doing and, and, when I asked her to do something she didn't like or didn't agree with, she wouldn't, she wouldn't take it and she really? would have a conversation with me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there was moments where I would ask her to maybe be a bit too cartoony and she'd be like, mm, that she like, she'd like to always be in the reality of something. And that
0: was had really helpful as well. That before? Had you had experienced that before? And no. In terms of previous, yeah. So usually when you were directing actors, they will pretty much do what's Well, it was because
2: screen. before that, it was mostly like friends or other people who had come right. from a similar background yeah. of just doing stuff on YouTube. So she yeah. was a proper actual actress yeah. who wanted to find the truth and the reality of everything, even if it was silly, which was a real like, that's something that I really hold uh, close now as, as something that I truly like to do is that it's funnier if you play it real, even yeah. if it is silly. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I, I asked, I asked her to go a bit too, like, can you say it with this rhythm, or can you say it with it? like? I would not parrot her, but I would certainly ask her to maybe be a bit more like a Simpsons character. Mm-hmm. And she would always be a bit. She would always sort of uh, not debate with me, but she was sort of. She wouldn't just do as she was told. She would certainly like have an opinion on what she was doing. Um, Did you? Feel the one that comes to mind is that,
0: or because or, like if it's something you're not used to you know and especially if something you slaved away at for ages in terms of writing the script you know exactly in your head how you want to be and then the sort mm. of they're questioning it was your i'm saying this from like my personal experience i know what no, i was yeah. like when i first experienced it i was
1: like
0: I, I didn't like the feeling initially of someone questioning the words that was exactly it. it it was it was, it was certainly like
2: thing. an uncomfortable yeah yeah so so uncomfortable and you also question like oh have I done something wrong? Like, have I done something that's offend, that's offending somebody, but actually it was just, it was just worthwhile having those conversations to get to the place that was best for it. And I think whenever we definitely wanted something in a certain rhythm or a certain way, she would listen. Mm. Um, But yeah, there was just sometimes where there was more of a conversation than I expected there to be about it um i think i was used to like this is how it's written you say it like that and then we move on yeah um whereas actually she wanted to find things a lot more and on on that first scene as well like that we ever did with her there's a lot of improvisation that's in the final cut Mm -hmm. of the uh of the episode and I, i we took that with us and so in later jack and dean sketches now there are moments when we're like okay there's a moment here where we can play with it and we can find something else and actually some of the funniest moments i think come out of that um so yeah I, I as challenging as it was sometimes and it wasn't like massively challenging it's not like she was a diva or anything she it was yeah. all coming from a really good creative place um
0: it was absolutely
2: always for the best
0: yeah it's a great training ground isn't it to to sort yeah. of yeah so you've, you know that. Now. And I was, what,
2: I was what, 23, 24 when I, when I was directing her. So wow. like, it was, what a great way of like coming into <laughs> it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I, I, I listened, um, I, I watched, I think it was one of your, your latest videos and you basically in, in the uh, post of I the answers, the title, the videos are I the answers. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're talking about something that I really, really, really resonated with me is basically you say that. Naturally, you're a lazy person who forces yourself to do stuff. And I can yep. relate that. But for somebody that considers themselves to be lazy, you've got like an incredible output. Have you, is, is your, have you always had that drive? Or has it been sort of like going back to this sort of where you say you're lazy? Is it, is it sort of like a, you're sort of banging heads with yourself where part of you just wants to just do sweet FA and the other part's like, no, <laughs> we must do this now.
2: That that sounds about right. Like I I think that there is a a conflict within myself that most days wants to just get up and potter about and do my own thing and be like, Oh shit, yeah, I've got to do that thing, I suppose. But actually, there are some days where I wake up so motivated or even in the middle of the night sometimes I'm like, Why now? Like is yeah, that yeah. where I like want to sit and write something and or, or whatever. I, and and I I also I, even when I'm hanging out with friends and stuff, I'm just constantly. There's a little bit of me that's like switched on. So if somebody says something funny or interesting, I'll always like just secretly note it down. I don't know if that's like a thing that you do, but I'm certainly oh, all,
0: like all the time.
2: Yeah, yeah. on, constantly there's like, always just like it's never off. It's always a slightly, you know, it's 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 on the green sometimes. Yeah, um, I
0: love a voice note. Yeah, <laughs> Always yeah, Always I've got, got a few of those. Weirdo.
2: I've got a few of those that I haven't even listened back to. Like, I'm like, I'm oh, going to note this great. down.
0: It's I, did that. I did one, I think it was during lockdown, just sort of, you know, the boredom was at peak uh, peak mm-hmm. levels. And so I just sort of scrolling through voice notes for the last five years. 99% of it was utter rubbish. I had no idea yep. what the hell was going through my brain at that time. But every now and then you come across something like, oh, actually that could work for that project.
2: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I've got like a notes folder that's been on there for probably a six or seven years, probably a bit more than that, since I was at uni, right. where like there's things I remember noting down specific locations when I was in Lincoln. Yeah, And I can remember noting them down and then you just scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and, scroll and there's just, it's just any little idea that I have. Because then if I'm in a situation where I'm like, what could happen here? I can just go into that notes and see if something fits. Yeah. Um, but to answer your question about, yeah, I, I do think that it's quite, I am able to look at the things that I've done and be very proud of what we've achieved in the small amount of time that we've got. I think what I'm conscious of, I'm very conscious of the fact that I don't want to have peaked in my mid-twenties. I want to be constantly progressing to the next thing. I want to be constantly climbing a ladder. And I think for a while, I think when I was making that series, um, I thought that I was, you know, I moved from one thing to the next and I was just leaping and I I just thought that that would never end. And then I learned pretty quickly, that's not how it goes. And so what I think I'm still coming to terms with and making peace with is that this industry is a game of snakes and ladders where you can go up at one point and then all of a sudden you'll be back down and you're going, hang on, haven't I done all this sort of stuff before? And I can get quite egotistical and think, but I've been proving myself and proving that I can do stuff at a good level for a long time. I've worked with these people. I've done these things. I've worked with this amount of budget. You know, why is nobody taking it seriously? Why does nobody want? And I can get in quite that space when actually it doesn't matter that you, you, you just do what you do, you do what you're interested in, and if something works, it works, and if it doesn't, it doesn't, and if somebody's interested, they are, doesn't mean, you, no one owes you anything. So there's quite a battle happening constantly, yeah. and it comes out as, I think I'm quite lazy, who forces myself to do stuff, but because I've never done anything else, I've never, I've never had a, a quote-unquote real job, in terms yeah. of I've never had to, I've always done this, I've always been on YouTube since amazing. I was a kid. It is kind of insane.
0: And- it's like, it's, it is amazing. And, and I mean, we, <clears throat> yeah, it's something else I, I want to touch upon. But um, yeah, I mean, going back to that, what you were saying, you know, you're waiting to this idea of trying to prove yourself, etc. There was also sort of like this, I guess, a, a, a shock, culture shock whereby everything online happens at such a fast speed and at your own pace. You know, you're completely in control of your output. But then, when you suddenly move into, I guess, the traditional entertainment industry, yeah, and everything takes I mean, a year. I mean, I <laughs> couldn't believe it when I started getting more into that world. Just how slow the you know the decision making process is for someone like you, who you know you're, you're a motivated guy, and you know you're you're in charge of your own destiny. Now, suddenly, to have to be waiting, twiddling your thumbs, mm. is a challenge. And I think also part of the challenge is sort of this sort of fine balance between pushing and wanting to move ahead, but also having a degree of, um, sort of just being able to let go and, and not be too, um, too tight and too caught up in, in, in the outcome and like, Oh, you know, what's going on with this project? I'm, I'm, again, I'm talking from experience. I'm saying, I know that's what I've been like. And it's only, absolutely the same. Yeah. The last year where I've started to be like, okay, just, uh, people tend to gravitate in a way to people who are sort of they have a sort of you know they're they're talented and they have a, a sort of a good you know strong output but also have a this element of like i don't give a fuck attitude yeah know? yeah The right kind of don't give a fuck like yeah yeah you can take me or you can take or on oh, i don't mind man there's yeah there's, there's of something about like me. someone being too keen
2: yes sort of a that's exactly like, right. it yeah yeah <laughs> and i think that I think that's mental in it. Cause it's, I, I actually think I gravitate towards people who are really keen yeah. to do something. Cause if they're showing an enthusiasm for something, I find that a really attractive quality to want to work with somebody like that. Cause it's passion. Totally. Um, but actually you're right. I think, and I think that going back to Donald Glover, I think he is a little bit like take it or leave it. Like, and, and there's something cool about that as well.
0: Yeah. So it's just an inner confidence. So having grown I up, I do not have, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, to- I totally don't, I totally don't. Um, all cloaks and daggers um you talk going back to sort of you growing up then on uh, you know having only worked up to sort of recently you know on on in terms of on the youtube side of things i wanted to ask you about um how you've handled the the attention over the years and like mm-hmm. how that has affected you from sort of a mental health perspective having been so I guess, yeah, it has been so sort of like you and the connection with your fans and you sort of starting from nothing and then growing with this online audience and the responsibilities that come with that. Has that been something that has affected your, your mental health throughout the years?
2: I think it has. And I think there's only been a few things that I've recently been able to express and I don't think I've been able to be aware of them. Mm. Um, until actually having some separation from it. <clears throat> so I think as a young person being thrown into that world where you are flown to Florida or to Los Angeles to go to these events where you're there specifically because people are going to come meet you, that's yeah. like already bizarre. Mm. And the way that I would describe it or had described it previously was that when people go like, you know, if you meet somebody and, and their friend doesn't know who you are, their friend will be like, are you famous? And my answer, my answer has always been depends who you ask and mm. depends what room I'm in. Mm. And cause if I can go to the, you know, an event here in the UK, which is called summer in the city. I can go to that event and you know, a, a large majority of people might know who I am, mm. but I can go out and nobody cares. Yeah. So that's kind of always been the way it's been so i've never felt like a celebrity i don't mm-hmm. particularly care about any of that stuff but something that i think has affected my mental health is that being thrown into these situations where you meet people and then they're gone a minute or two later and not only that with your fans where you're meeting them at meeting greets but also going to these parties which you know are, you know these uh what are the people, what is it called? Uh, so the meet and or Networking, the networking oh, right. yeah, sort yeah. of parties okay. where you're meeting somebody and there's always like a purpose to why you're speaking to each other. It's yeah. never just a friendly, Oh, we might like each other. We might be interested in the same stuff. Yeah. There's always like a purposeful reason for why there's always someone. someone wants to get something out of you or you want to get something out of them. And there's just constantly been that since I was 20 years old. Right. And so I think what's happened in terms of mental health is that I've, if somebody wants to talk to me, I almost feel a little bit apprehensive as to why.
0: And you're, Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're on guard. That makes a sense. Bit. Yeah, totally, totally.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's something I haven't been able to express until maybe this year. Right. Uh, I haven't been able to sort of zoom out enough to go, oh, that must have had a weird effect on my brain, to meeting yeah. people that quickly or um, having such short interactions, like expecting interactions to last a few minutes and then to be like, all right, cool maybe I'll email you like, you know what I mean? And then you'll see each other again in passing at something else rather than actually meeting somebody and being really present with them in that moment and, sure. and nothing else mattering and, and and you not knowing what's going to come out of it, whether or not you're making a new friendship or whether or not it is superfluous. Like, you, you know, like a lot of the time when I've met new people, sometimes I feel a little bit like, I don't know if we're ever going to speak again. Uh, and it, and And there's something quite weird about that. Mm. Um, a, 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 about approaching a new person and not knowing and almost being confident that it doesn't matter, that this interaction, you can just log it away and forget it. Like it, it's, it's a kind of difficult one to describe because it's still a, quite a new thing that I'm expressing. But I definitely think that's taken a, a little toll on me in terms of my interactions with other human beings.
0: Yeah. And you, you, you mentioned uh, you know, this idea of being present Obviously, you've got you know you've got a, a large following online on Twitter and, and Instagram. How how are you when you release content online, whether it be through YouTube or whether you're you know on on Twitter, Instagram, etc. Are there any levels of anxiety that are associated with you posting stuff and and sort of waiting for the responses and reactions?
2: Um, I would say at the moment there isn't. I think that. That's probably been truthful in some way before, um but at the moment, my views on YouTube aren't as high as they once were, mm. like on my personal channel, something would find its way to getting to around a hundred thousand views a video, which is mm-hmm. pretty decent. Mm. I was always very happy with that, even on Jack and Dean, like if something hits a hundred thousand views, I'm like cool, I'm happy, that's like a nice number um but lately, on my personal channel, because I've shifted my uh Content so much to be much more film and cinema focused, and to be honest, reflecting much more of what my interests are. Mm. Something that I've been wanting to do for years, but didn't do. I I can go back and look at old videos and see me going like, "Would you want to hear me talk about this stuff more?" And actually, I can tell that that's me being like, "I really want to be able to go really like in depth Mm. and almost academic on on this stuff because I find it so interesting." But I don't know if anyone gives a shit. And then what I've done this year because it makes me feel happy is I've gone, I'm going to make that stuff because that's where I think I feel most comfortable and how the stuff I want to express and the stuff that I want to create. And the views have gone down because the audience obviously isn't there for that stuff and hasn't come to expect that stuff. But I don't feel really anything about that other than the people that are watching it are engaging with it. I feel really good about what I made Mm -hmm. and I'm just going to, Keep that going, rather than playing to an audience and trying to play the system or, you know, get views or whatever. I, I I think I feel much more comfortable with what I'm making because of what it is, rather than who's watching it or how many people are watching it.
0: Yeah, that makes complete sense. You know, you're you you know an, an age now where you know yourself better and you feel comfortable. Putting out sort of what you're interested in, I guess there's a there's going to be a real level of authenticity to that that people are going to be. I
2: think that that's with. I think that's kind of it. Is that it's it's just about like it's kind of simple. It's just, if you make what you want to make, you're going to feel satisfied. You're going to totally. feel happier yeah. rather than trying to fit into something that doesn't quite suit you.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. So at, in normal times, before you know, in, in yesteryear, before. Lockdown or Corona even existed. Um, how would you? Yeah, exactly. Well, how would you find a sense of balance? When? What would you do, for instance, um, just to get your mind off off uh, work pressures and just to get some clarity or just a sense of peace? Is it, do you have any sort of rituals or do you do a specific exercise? I know you said you play squash with you were used to play squash with Cayenne. Do you have any regular routines mm-hmm. such as that that you you need to keep you going?
2: um well to be honest uh, the cinema was a little bit of my church mm. uh and i missed that very very much and i watched once upon a time in hollywood for the third time or something recently mm. and the sequence where sharon tate goes to the cinema mm. and you see her like sort of dance into the cinema screen and find a seat yeah. i found quite emotional to watch because i was like oh god yeah the cinema i forgot how that felt um so yeah i do i, I that would always be like a place where i would like switch off very easily switch off Sometimes I would, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Finding um, liberating. Yeah, it's lovely. And you don't need to like jump into conversation immediately. You can let things sink in. Um yeah, I find that really really um therapeutic sometimes to go alone to the cinema. Um you know the traditional one seeing friends, like exercising has absolutely become something that I've done this year. It's it's obviously we're in the third month or something now of this lockdown, so it's become much more of a home workout routine thing. And for that, I, I've, I'm seeing, like, how many pull-ups can I do? Like, it's just things like that, like, with easy progressions. But actually, when I'm exercising, I find that my brain really focuses in on that moment rather than my brain doesn't start thinking about ideas or whatever. It does when I'm running. Like, if I go for a run, my brain will, like, like start to swim around and process different things in my head, whether they be creative ideas or personal stuff that's going on. But actually, when I'm exercising, I find that my I really really focus on on that task. Um, if you're
0: running, cooking has
2: become something.
0: Yeah, me too. Actually, I was going to say when you're running, do you listen to music or podcasts, or do you just like to be nope. totally present?
2: I don't. I don't take anything with me except for my really? keys to get back in the house. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I almost like I leave everything and just go. I'm going to go and do this for twenty twenty five minutes. Right. Um, and yeah, that I I I used to listen to music, but actually, I find I find it so much better to, to not do
0: that um i agree it's yeah something I i've been doing it just because it feels like it's i i i realized i was just blocking it's another it was another way to block things out yeah and there's something like quite beautiful when you're just running and you can hear the sound of the birds or just people walking mm-hmm. past especially if you've been inside all day writing on your own you mm-hmm. want to hear the sounds of just life the world, the world. yeah exactly
2: yeah I remember a teacher once saying to me something about look up because a lot of the time, like we're obviously eye level or down, but actually pay attention to the way that the the buildings are shaped at the top of, you know, above you and and just Mm. little things like that. Like we just don't pay attention to that stuff a lot more. And that's always stuck with me. Just even the sentiment of it, um, of like, just look around Uh, and being present is, it seems to be a theme that's coming up quite a lot in this conversation is that that's become really, really important to me. Um, is I think that I've, what you said, like looked for distractions for a long time and whether or not that be YouTube or movies or TV or whatever, like anything to sort of like quiet the thoughts down sometimes is is just looking for an, a, a way to distract from that when actually being present with that stuff, whether it be negative or positive, obviously the scarier stuff is the negative stuff, but actually being with it, although uncomfortable doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing to do. And actually, just sit with that stuff has been really, really helpful. Um, so yeah, like I guess some form of meditation, but not traditionally. I certainly like, I have things that I listen to and certain people on YouTube. I'm very into ASMR. I don't know why, but like that has been a part of my life for a long time and it's not, it's, it's sort of one of those things that i'll have if i'm in that if i'm in that sort of, sort of mood i'll actually just go and do mundane tasks like i'll have it on in my head in my headphones mm. rather than using it to get to sleep i'll have it on in my head and almost it almost soothes my head as i'm ironing or okay. you know washing the pots or something sure. so it's things like that that i've i sort of use to sort of get out of my own my own then you know, i like psyche sometimes
0: sure, sure. okay and um to, to wrap things up, I'm going to ask you a question and ask all the guests on the, come on the podcast. What does the idea of, and it's, we have touched upon this uh, throughout, but what, mm-hmm. what does the idea of balance mean to you or not?
2: The idea of balance mean to me or not?
0: Yeah, I, I would always sort of put that in just in case you go, I don't believe in mm. balance uh, because, you know, right. Your own.
2: I think what balance doesn't mean <laughs> is... Um, I don't know. It's, it's a very, very interesting thing to sort of try and define. My, my form of balance is is about, I think, boundaries. And that goes for work, people, like certain giving, – giving everything the space it deserves rather than allowing one thing to dominate what you're doing. So for me personally, I I have definitely been a workaholic at some point in my life where I would edit throughout the day and into the night and be like, no, this is what I'm doing. When actually that's not healthy for me and it hasn't been good for me and it it can make me pent up and stressed and all the rest of it. Um, So it's about knowing when to close the laptop, when to switch off. Especially because I'm self employed and because I'm my own boss. It's about knowing when to get out of bed. It's about knowing when to go to bed. Um, it's about being able to listen to my own feelings and go, I want to go and watch a movie at 1, p- 1 pm in the afternoon and I'll make up for that time later as long as I'm not letting myself become a slob. It's okay to allow myself some rewards. And a part of it as well is. You don't need to do one thing in order to reward yourself with another. It's that old mentality I have sometimes of you can have some time on the video game when you've done your homework. It's like I'm not in fucking school anymore. I'm an adult who can make his own decisions and run his own life. So if I want to go and play a video game, I know that I'll do that for a certain amount of time and then I'll get bored and I'll want to go and do something else. But I will have scratched that itch. So I think it's just about listening to my own feelings and knowing what's best for me, not giving in to the the uh you know the, the 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 negative thoughts that want me to just stay in bed all day and that'll be good that's what you need right now to stay in bed all day no that's not helpful but also it's not the other side of it it's not somebody going you need to be working all the time you need to be fast paced you need to get the shit done otherwise you're not worthwhile it's absolutely listening to the, the the center uh and allowing yourself to have whatever feels like what you need in that moment that was really long-winded, but that is
0: kind of great. a summation it great. of it. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. All right, man. Well, look, thank you so much for coming on. It's been great speaking to you.
2: Thank you so much for having me, man. Perfect.
0: And there we have it. Jack Howard really enjoyed that conversation. Lots and lots of information there to take in. And it's great to talk to somebody who is highly creative, smart, ambitious and is just making it happen for himself so yeah i hope you enjoyed that conversation guys this week i have mostly been reading akala's book natives after obviously what's been happening in in the news and um the protests and and uh, everything related to george floyd and black lives matter i i'm sure like many many of you as well have wanted to try and educate and inform myself so I can have a better understanding of the sort of history of racism in both the UK and, and the US and, and the black struggle. I've got many black friends. I kind of grew up going um, to sort of like garage and jungle raves and I've got friends from all backgrounds, creeds and colors. However, it yeah, it definitely occurred to me that I'm nowhere near knowledgeable or informed enough on on this subject matter it's something that's obviously been raised we're not taught about or is not on the school curriculum national curriculum and 100 should be so i'm reading this book and uh, i've been following Carlo across sort of social media for a long time and he's such an intelligent and informative individual and i highly recommend reading the book so yeah that's that's something that i've been enjoying very much uh this week and i think uh yeah that's it for now i will will leave it on that we've got a very interesting conversation in next week's episode with josh peters the youtube prankster who probably is most known for the prank on katie hopkins so it's a really fascinating conversation i think you're going to really enjoy it so do check that one out and uh, hope you enjoyed the conversation. Until next time, see you later. Balancing Acts is now made in association with The Comedy Crowd, who are a website and community that support independent comedy creators such as myself. I have a Comedy Crowd short, which is a, a two-minute video, one of my characters on their website. They showcase the best new videos on Comedy Crowd TV, which is comedycrowdtv.com and across media platforms. So do go and check them out.